It's a great summer to be in Wisconsin with the potlucks, the brat fries, fish broils, wedding receptions, so much delicious food and desserts more than we could handle. All of this we owe to the Lord. And week after week, we look to him and place our trust in him. Today, we'll hear more about it. The Lord feeds generously. We'll worship using the order of services. It's printed out for you in your worship folder and projected it on the screen. Let's begin with our opening hymn. And for the opening hymn, you're welcome to follow along on the screen or with the handout, the insert that was given to you at the door. to save me, O oh God. Amen. 
to God our light and our life. God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and willing to give far more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our first lesson today, taken from 1 Kings chapter 17, serves as the basis for our sermon. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. The word of the Lord. In our psalm of the day, Psalm 136, now we hear the refrain over and over again, your mercy lives forever. It's a good reminder for us of the common meal prayer. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Uh, may this be a refrain throughout our lives as we thank the Lord for all that he gives to us.
Our second lesson for this morning, taken from Ephesians 1, reminds us how generously the Lord provides for all of our spiritual needs in Christ. For that reason, we can count on him to provide everything we need for body and life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The word of the Lord. Please stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel today from Matthew chapter 14, it starts out with when they had heard this. That was the death of John the Baptist. To see and hear and learn of one of God's prophets being put to death, what will happen to us? But Jesus proceeded to prove that he would always provide for his people. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn. Oh, great. 
from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word we consider today in the sermon, the first lesson from 1 Kings chapter 17. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, there is about a 90% chance that a weatherman will predict a five-day forecast accurately. And for a seven-day forecast, it drops down a little bit to about an 80% chance of that being accurate. But it dips way down to only 50% on a 10-day forecast. Now, I can see the looks on some of your faces, questioning the, those percentages a little bit. They seem a little bit high, don't they? Weathermen predict things a little bit off more often than that, don't they? Yet, in order to predict the weather accurately for months or even years, what would the percentages be on that? Surely zero percent, right? or simply a miracle from the Lord. Because that's what Elijah did in our first lesson. He predicted the next several years of weather with complete accuracy there in the presence of Ahab. But we have one other undisputable forecast in this lesson before us today. There's a 100% chance that the Lord always delivers. Even in a drought, and ever for the devout. The spiritual and moral landscape in the northern kingdom of Israel was plunging into a barren wasteland. At the time of King Jeroboam, the first king of that split kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel, Jeroboam set up false gods, golden calves, on both ends of the kingdom and told all the people in the kingdom, These are the gods who brought you up out of Egypt. Worship them. He appointed priests all over the kingdom, uh, people who were not from the tribe of Levi, as the Lord had commanded them to be. And all around Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, the Israelites worshipped false gods, not only those golden calves, but also 
idols at the high places. In the kings that succeeded Jeroboam I, there were all kinds of problems. There were coups, suicides, there was arson, there were plots, conspiracies, slaughtering of entire families. And if that sounds bad, by the time of King Ahab, the scriptures say this about him, he did more evil in the Lord's sight than any of the other kings that came before him. King Ahab set up a temple, built a temple to the god Baal there in Samaria. He married Jezebel, a foreign royalty from the northern city of Sidon, and she made it her mission to slaughter all of the prophets of the Lord throughout the kingdom. Things were pretty bad there in the northern kingdom of Israel. Yet into this instability and immorality and idolatry in steps Elijah. He steps before King Ahab and he says, There will be no rain and no dew throughout the land except at my word. Now this was not just a whim of Elijah or some specific agenda that he had for no good reason against Ahab. This was actually from the Lord. Elijah was a servant of the Lord. He stood before the Lord. He listened to the Lord. He delivered messages from the Lord, just what he heard from the Lord, as any prophet of old or pastor from today ought to do as well. And Elijah reminded Ahab, the Lord is the God of Israel. Not these golden calves, not all the other idols that are being worshipped throughout the land, not Baal, not Ashtoreth, the Lord. None of these other idols made Jacob's descendants into a large nation or rescued them from slavery in Egypt. None of these other false gods had anything to do with bringing the Israelites into the promised land or making that a land flowing with milk and honey. No, that was the Lord. He is the one true God. And the Lord had actually promised he had warned the children of Israel hundreds of years earlier at the time of Moses that this is what would happen. If you turn away from me and worship other gods, I will cut off the water from below and shut off the spigot of the heavens. No rain, no dew. And true to his word as always, the Lord announced this through Elijah at the time of King Ahab. How fitting of a consequence that was. Because these other false gods, Baal and Ashtoreth, the Israelites looked to them and worshipped those gods, counting on them to make their farms and their families fertile and fruitful and full. Yet the Lord was about to teach them that all those false gods, those other idols, those are useless and impotent. The Lord delivered by sending a drought. Yet the Lord still sends droughts today. He allows areas of people's lives to dry up. Those who sell themselves to mammon, money, the almighty dollar, the Lord delivers a drought in their life very often. He may allow recession, bankruptcy, theft, Sickness, to show you cannot count on money. The Lord delivers a drought of prosperity and security. Or for those who have been seduced by sexual sin, the Lord may send disease, addiction, family splitting up, loneliness. For those who sought so much pleasure, there's so much pain the Lord delivers a drought of pleasure. Or, for those who trust in and love and place all their hopes in their youth or their strength or their intelligence, the Lord allows age or injury, fatigue or illness to catch up with them. A drought of ability what we look for in 
setting up these idols in our hearts, the Lord shuts off the spigot, turns off the valves on those things. This may seem severe, but the Lord delivers a call to repentance to us in our lives. This may seem harsh, but this is the Lord being generous, giving us time to turn back to him. Because anyone who refuses to repent will find themselves in a drought that lasts not just for a few years, but forever. Crying out for help, but being abandoned. With not enough money, so poor that you couldn't even provide for yourself one hour of relief. And it cracked, parched, heat-stroked existence in severe heat. The Lord's wrath having its way with you, leaving you destitute and devoid of any dignity. Repent. The Lord delivers droughts in order to get us to do this. Yet, at the word of the prophet, there will be rain, there will be dew again. In the next chapter of 1 Kings, the Lord showed that. Elijah faced off against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And those prophets of Baal, after crying out to Baal, most of the day, they heard nothing but crickets. Yet when Elijah prayed to the Lord, the Lord answered his prayer with fire from heaven, consuming the sacrifice on the altar, licking up the water all around the altar. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God, the people declared. Looking to the Lord, putting their trust in him, they slaughtered all the prophets of Baal. And Elijah said, I hear the sound of a heavy rain. The clouds became black, and the wind picked up, and the rain poured. Even today, when people turn to the Lord and confess from their heart, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, repentant of their sins, putting to death their sinful nature, the Lord's prophets and pastors still open their mouths, and the floodgates of heaven fall down, forgiveness all around you, saturated and soaked with salvation, drenched with the Lord's decree, I have accepted Christ's sacrifice in your place. And the Lord delivers all those who repent, even when there is a drought. The Lord also always delivers for the devout. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and told him to go to the east side of the Jordan, to the Kareth Ravine, where he would be provided for. Now, the east side of the Jordan, that's where Elijah had grown up. He was from Gilead. And as he went over there, that would give him a little bit of separation from King Ahab, who was on the west side of the Jordan, reigning from Samaria. That didn't stop Ahab from trying to hunt Elijah down. He sent messengers and representatives to every nation and kingdom all around, making them swear that they weren't able to find Elijah. Jezebel was hunting down all the Lord's prophets as well, and Elijah was on her most wanted list. Yet there sat Elijah, safe, protected in the Kareth Ravine, because the Lord always delivers for his devout people. The Lord does that in every generation. King David said in Psalm 37, I was young and now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are generous and lend freely. Their children are a blessing. The Lord watches over his people. He delivers protection for them. The Lord spreads his wings over them. And just as the Apostle Paul said, the Lord will keep me safe from every evil attack and rescue me into his heavenly kingdom. Now it might have sounded strange to an Israelite to hear that the Lord would use ravens to provide for Elijah. After all, ravens were considered an unclean bird according to the Mosaic law. Yet, 
Just as with King David, when he was on the run from Saul, King David ate the bread that was consecrated for only the priests to eat. The Lord allowed for that. And so the Lord crafted this plan for Elijah too. The law is made for man, not man for the Mosaic law. And the Lord provided for Elijah with those ravens. Now to people today, that might sound like a fairy tale. That might sound like a scene out of a Disney movie, like the mice and the birds in Cinderella singing and sewing clothes for Cinderella. Really? Add to that that ravens are selfish scavengers by nature. They know how to find food and they keep it for themselves. They can even trick other animals out of their food. And the Lord was going to use ravens to give food to Elijah? Yes, he was. As strange as that may have sounded, Elijah trusted in the Lord. Elijah followed the Lord's direction in faith and he was fed generously. Not just once a day, but twice a day. Not just bread and water, but meat as well, and all the water he could drink there at the brook. The Lord fed Elijah generously. and He still does for us today. In Romans chapter 8, the Lord says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us every good thing? The Lord is so generous to you and me. He not only gives us food, but leftovers. He not only gives us water, but so many other beverages to enjoy. He not only gives us apartments and homes, but rooms where people can stay with us. The Lord delivers generously to his people. He also uses these ravens as an illustration of how he deals with you and me. Those ravens, selfish scavengers by nature, he used them to serve and to supply Elijah with all his needs. You and I, too. Selfish by nature. Yet for each one of us, and for everyone who has been filled with forgiveness in Christ, we're eager to share food and drink with anyone who's hungry or thirsty. For us who have been clothed with Christ's righteousness in our baptisms, we're happy to share clothing with anyone in need. For us who have received comfort from God's word, we look forward to going and visiting those who are lonely or sick or sad or troubled. The Lord has been so generous to us and he delivers to us an attitude of generosity towards others as well. In these verses, the Lord made a distinction between Elijah, his devout prophet, and the rest of Israel. On the last day, the Lord will make a distinction between all those who trust in him and all those who put idols first in their lives. On the last day, the Lord will send all the unbelievers away to eternal fire and eternal drought. Yet for his devout people, never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. On the last day, the Lord will deliver generously for his people salvation in Christ. The Lord always delivers. The Lord delivered Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem. The Lord delivered Jesus over to death for our sins. The Lord delivered Jesus from the grave because of his holy sacrifice. The Lord delivered on all of his promises to us in Christ. I don't know what the five-day or seven-day or ten-day forecast is going to end up like this week and next week, whether it'll be sunny or stormy, whether it'll be a heat wave or a gentle, cool breeze. But we do know this. 
the Lord will deliver for you and for me. He always does. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue by singing the Te Deum. Please be seated. In the morning, O Lord, I call to you. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Loving God and Lord, you created the universe that surrounds us and the globe on which we live. You control all things through your Son, who sits at your right hand in glory. Give your word power as it works in our hearts and minds. Clear away our confusion and demolish our doubts. Send your spirit to strengthen both our confidence in your promises and our desire to live according to your will. The signs of the times warn us that the end of time is near. Protect us from scoffers who sneer at your truth. 
Spare us and Christians around the world from all forms of hate and pers persecution. Instill in the hearts of our children a desire to follow you as they prepare for future days. Help them distinguish between what is passing and what is eternal, between instant thrills and lasting joy. Encourage more young people to prepare for the service in the public ministry of the gospel. Hold in your care, Lord, those who are experiencing physical or emotional pain and all who are afflicted by disease or facing death. Pour out your compassion on the grieving and comfort the mourners who miss someone they loved. And we ask especially your watchful eye over Linda Hammond's niece, Robin, who was hospitalized recently and things have taken a turn to a very serious situation uh, down in Milwaukee. Please watch over Robin and her entire family. Please lead them to look to you for help in every time of need and grace, the forgiveness of all sins in Christ Jesus. Hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. Whether we pray together or alone, you have promised to hear and answer us. Give us patience to accept your blessings in whatever way you send them. In your love and wisdom, prepare us for the day when you will take us to be with you forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to this new day. Defend us with your mighty power, and grant that this day we neither fall into sin nor run into any kind of danger. And in all we do, direct us to what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Let us praise the Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord's face ever shine upon you. The
Thank you so much for worshiping with us in God's house today. A couple of announcements this morning. Bible class between services will be here in the sanctuary, continuing our look at the life of David. And for those desiring child care for their children while, they, while you attend Bible class, that'll be down in the, uh, the old preschool room, the first room on the left in the school building. Uh, the, the main announcement for today is the August 13th, next Sunday, uh, the dedication of our new wing as well as installation of new staff, which will be in the 10.30 service. And there's a meal following uh, the late service there as well. If you're planning to come to that, please do sign up by tomorrow uh, to help us plan for the food. Uh, when it comes to moving in and getting settled in that new wing, uh, some of the scheduling has been a little bit fluid on that. Please stay tuned for more information on when you can help uh, come and help move a lot of the furniture and other equipment into the new wing. Then today we also have the August Wells Connection. To worship on foot or on horseback, it was important for there to be a large number of churches in a relatively small area. Today, times are changing, and so is the need for Wells churches to be located very close to one another. With snow-covered steps, this old church building that lacks a sign hasn't been used for worship for a number of years. Our membership was getting older and older, and our Sunday school was dwindling. As a third-generation member of this former Wells congregation, known as St. John's, Lon Heisey didn't want to see his lifelong church home close. I was just didn't want to let go, like, like a lot of people. You just you don't want to let go of those memories. You, you don't know what the future is. St. John's and another area church both had pastoral vacancies for two years. The pastor of a third nearby Wells Church served either as the pastor or vacancy pastor for all three churches during that time. He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping with me in the dish. They approached them about merging, um, started that process, and one of the things I really learned early on in that was that it wasn't just deep-seated emotions in the conversation, but there was a lot of, you know, deep faith that was involved as well. They looked at their church and that was their physical connection to God in many ways. This is the church where they were baptized, where their children were baptized, where they were confirmed, where their children were confirmed. These three churches within a six-mile radius from each other merged into a single ministry. Mergers like this aren't just happening in these old country churches, but also in hustling and bustling metropolitan areas, where these three Milwaukee area congregations are within two miles from each other. We just found that although there, there was a level of cooperation already, there was you know, a little bit of competition too. And from a ministry standpoint, how can we be most efficient in our area to, you know, to deliver the gospel message to the people in the West Dallas area? And we determined that it would be better together as opposed to better separately to do that. Unified under a new name, Living Hope, their schools will also be merging into one. I think it, it gives us a lot more options. You know, some people ha always have like a little bit of a negative connotation with like a small, well, school. Like you can't offer as much because it's smaller. Now we're going to single grade per class. We have a lot more options and it gives us an area, a larger area. So we're not kind of fighting ourselves. Their short-term plan is to have all church operations at one site and the school at another. Their next step is to unify onto a single campus. 
I think the biggest challenge when you have healthy congregations is to convince the congregations that you can do things better together. Why do we need to do this? That was probably the biggest question we had to answer as it led up to the vote is, why are we better together? And we really had to put a good plan together for that, and I think we did. Even though the St. John's and Zion church buildings have closed, that does not mean it's a loss for Christ's work in that area. In fact, the merger is allowing more gospel ministry to happen. And now we're working towards calling a second pastor and how much more we can do having two pastors in one place rather than having two pastors in two places. Having two pastors will allow them to better share the good news of Jesus in the newest aspect of their ministry, an early childhood center for infants through five-year-olds. All right, let's see, what were we talking about today? I think it got people a little bit more fired up and excited because it wasn't like, oh, I'm adding into this, or oh, I guess it's somebody else's ministry aspect. But it was all new, so then able to just bring in new people and different volunteers. For me, it's a, it's a building, it's not a church. It's just the building, the church is the people. It's not the more congregations we have, the healthier we are, but it's the more gospel ministry we do uh, is what gives Christ glory. So if we can do more ministry with, even with fewer congregations, that's perfectly fine. So congregational consolidation is a good option for many moving forward. We're thankful that God allows us to play a role in his gospel-sharing efforts. May he continue to allow us to serve his kingdom in a God-pleasing way as he builds his church.